The theme of Joshua is the establishment of God's people. After many years of slavery in Egypt and 40 years in the desert, the Israelites were finally allowed to enter the land God promised to their fathers. After Moses died, Joshua was appointed by God to turn that promise into reality. The Israelites found that the land God had promised was already occupied. Taking the land would require defeating giants, not just the physical enemies that they faced, but enemies within themselves. Fear, disunity, trusting God, facing the unknown. So what has the story taught us so far? Well, God calls us to step out of our comfort zone, and it's there that we experience the provision of God. God is ahead of us as we tackle life and its challenges. God can use anyone for his mission. God calls us to trust him. He has a purpose for us even when we don't understand or it doesn't make sense. From there, God has been leading Israel through victory after victory, but success can often prepare us for defeat. And their winning streak comes to a halt when Israel faces defeat at AI. So what happens now? So far, we've seen who we are and who God is. Whether it's our crippling fears or our constant failures, God reveals himself to be consistently faithful. Now the journey continues in Joshua. Well, that told the story. I guess we're done. Let's pray and go home. <laughs> Once again, uh, Cole did a great job uh, with our videos. I love it. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, Happy New Year. It's great to be here with you this morning. Now, you are the ones that apparently didn't know that the Chargers had a 10 o'clock game today. So, or you are the ones who don't care. But either, either way, it's great. I actually talked to someone who, um, first service, uh, he, he said he had his baby monitor pointed at his TV and he had his iPad playing the game, which, you know, you got to give respect for that kind of commitment. You know, he was very engaged in the sermon. So, <laughs> anyway, for those of you recording the game, we will not give any updates, although that's all I'm looking at here. Okay, so, <laughs> well, it's great to be here. You know, New Year's is the time, uh, January, the beginning of January, this is the first uh, Sunday of the year. So this is kind of the time of year we think about new beginnings, we make resolutions, we make goals. You know, it's things like this year we're going to have more kale, fewer carbs, you know, a little bit less Duck Dynasty, maybe a little bit more reading, things like that. Um, perhaps it, it's a more family time, less time at work. Whatever it is, we, we like to make those kind of uh, resolutions for the year ahead. It's, it's human nature. So, but how many of you in here, by the way, have made New Year's resolutions or goals for 2014? Seriously, three people, four people. You are so ambitious. I mean, this is amazing. Okay, so of the five of you who raised your hands, how many of you are still keeping them? Yeah, okay, good. Hey, stay strong. It's been six days, five days. Good job. No, but my guess is probably some of you have at least thought about them and you don't want to raise your hand. Some of you wait till about mid-year to make them. That way you can keep them longer. And, uh, but whatever it is, you know, this is the time of year when naturally people think of what's new, what's starting, uh, or what will I do in the year ahead? What can be different? How can I improve? So I looked up the top 10 New Year's resolutions that people made for 2014. So let's see, how many of you think you can guess some of them? What, what's... One you think is up there? 
Lose weight, yeah. Lose weight, very surprising, is number one. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that whole idea of um, lose weight's number one, and then and, and number five is stay fit and healthy. So it's something to do with eating better, losing weight, those kind of things. I remember one year, um, I am not a big fitness guy. I'll go through phases. Um, I love playing sports and things. But I know one year I belonged to um, LA Fitness because I like to play basketball. That was why I did it. But that was the year I said, you know what, this year I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into... W- working out and using all of these contraptions they have here. And, and, but seriously, I know nothing about like the machines and working out. And so I said, I'm going to, I'm going to start working out. And I didn't consult any trainer or ask what anything is. I remember I walked to a machine and, and I have no idea what these machines do, right? Some of them make sense, but it's like, I don't know. So I got down there and I started working out, you know, my upper body, working out my arms. I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. And I got off it. And then the person behind me got on it, starts working their legs, looking at me like, what? Wow, okay, so a few of you just, yeah, understand. I don't make fitness goals, that's all I'm trying to say, is because I have n- no idea what to do with those things. Um, what, are, what are some others? Save money. save money, yeah. Spend less, save more is number three. There's a reason New Year's resolutions come right after Christmas, right? <laughs> yeah. So say, spend less, save more. Okay, what else? Yeah, spend more time with family. Yeah, there's there's that relational side. That actually made number 10 right behind um, quit smoking and falling in love. So there you go. <laughs> what else do we have here? Get organized, number two. Get organized is number two, yeah. And and for me, that is, I swear, that is my resolution every week when I look in my garage. Like I'm go- going to get organized. And I think, let's be honest, the only way to really get organized is to move, isn't it? <laughs> Just get rid of everything and put it back in somewhere. But after you've been somewhere a year, forget about it. <laughs> so, all right. Any, any others there? That, some of the others, all the same. We have um, enjoy life. Okay. Um, learn something exciting. Learn something new. That's one that people have. Help others um, in their dreams. And uh, yeah, so I mentioned the other ones. So that's some of those. Now, it's very much part of human nature to begin a year and say, okay, how can this year be better than the one before? And this morning what I want to do is I want us to look at even our spiritual lives. It's interesting on in the top ten, no, none of those on the top ten most popular mention anything about spiritual lives, but hopefully as those of us who are on the journey of faith, we would have some sort of spiritual goal. Maybe it is, this year I want to grow closer um, in, my, in my relationship with God, or I want to gain more knowledge, or maybe I want to represent God. Christ better to the world. Whatever that is, if that's not that, that will be some of our challenges for today. But as we look at that, sometimes we think, what is it in our nature that makes us want to begin fresh? What is it in us that says we want to improve the year that we just came from? And then I start asking another question, though. What are the things that cause us to not want to make goals? How many of you have made so many resolutions and failed at them that you say, I'm not even going to bother anymore? Yeah, you don't have to raise your hands, but the two of you who did, thank you for your honesty. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many of us have, have made a fitness goal? I'm going to eat better this year. And you know that that lasts about three weeks, maybe a month. And you said, I, why even bother? Why even bother? But today what we're going to do is we're going to enter back in to the study of the book of Joshua. And one thing I love about it today is that when we left off the story, Israel had failed. 
They went into this battle and they did it their own way. It turned out they had sin in their camp. They didn't follow the instructions of God and they were defeated. And that's where we left the story. And today we pick it up in Joshua chapter 8 and we're going to see that they begin with a new beginning, a fresh start. So it's very appropriate that today is the day we talk about that. But as we look at that, what I want to do is look at our lives and say, what is it that keeps us from wanting to make a fresh start spiritually? What are the lessons that we can learn from Israel and from Joshua as they had a new beginning that can apply to our own lives as we look ahead at 2014? Okay, so pray with me as we get started. God, we thank you for this morning. I thank you uh, for your goodness. We thank you for a new year and uh, for your faithfulness. I pray today, God, that you would speak to us and that this would be all about you. And um, Lord, help us be a community of people who follow you and who love you. And I pray this morning, Lord, that my words would be yours as you speak to us here. In your name, amen. So I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Joshua, chapter 8. And before we even get started, I'll give you a very quick review. Our video kind of gave some of that. But again, let me tell you where we are, how we got up to speed to this point. And so the book of Joshua begins with this guy named Joshua, who is given the leadership of the nation of Israel. Moses was leading them, uh, led them out of their bondage in Egypt, and handed over the reins to Joshua before he died. And so now Joshua's in control. And they'd been wandering in the desert for 40 years. Now the book of Joshua is, is the story of God leading his people into the land that was promised to them, which is essentially right around modern day Israel today. And so it was handed over to Joshua. And it starts off and God says, Joshua, I want you to know that I am with you. I will lead you into the land. And the whole purpose of it, and this is very important that we always keep in mind when we read this, is God chose the nation of Israel to represent him in the land. The reason he chose a people group and a land for them is because in the ancient world, gods were essentially identified by the people who followed them or the nation who followed them. So God says, I choose a people for myself as the creator God and I'm going to place them in the land to represent my name to all the nations throughout the earth. That's why God gives them commands. God does not give the people of Israel a bunch of commands just for some arbitrary rules to follow. It was because as they followed those commands, that represented the character of God, how they treated the foreigners and how you treated uh, your neighbors, how you um, enacted forgiveness. And there's this idea of of setting people free. And all kinds of laws had to do with living the ways of Yahweh, the creator God. So they were called as a people to live in a land to represent the name of Yahweh, who is the creator God, to the ends of the earth. So Joshua accepts that kind of charge and they start leading the people into the land. They, uh, God miraculously leads them across the Jordan River. They celebrate Passover, kind of rededicating their hearts to the Lord. They have a group, a kind of massive circumcision saying we belong to God, and then they go into the battle. And the first battle is this battle against a city called Jericho. It's very strategic um, from a military standpoint for entering the land. When they go into the battle of Jericho, they march around the city, the walls fall down miraculously, and they defeat the city. In chapter 7, they go up against the next city that would be another strategic city, but God did not lead them there. They decided to do it on their own, 
They were defeated. Turns out that there was sin in their camp. Some One of their family, uh, one of their tribes, the people took some stuff for themselves and they were not following the commands of God fully. And we leave the story and they're discouraged. They were caught in sin. They dealt with the sin, but now they're saying, what's next? And so let's pick up the story in Joshua chapter 8, verse 1. It says this, The Lord says to Joshua, Do not fear or be dismayed. Okay, let's stop right there. I know, we made it a half verse in. So those of you who do want to see the Charger game, we'll still get you done on time. Seriously, you'll get the fourth quarter. Joshua chapter 8, verse 1, he says, Do not fear or be dismayed. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 1, if you would. A few pages back on Joshua chapter 1, let's look at verse 9. This is God's words to Joshua before they begin the journey. He says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. See, the story here begins with God reminding Joshua. Chapter 8 begins with God reminding Joshua that his promises remain. And I actually believe this is the first lesson that we can glean from this story for new beginnings. Because when we're looking at new beginnings in our lives, it starts off with this principle that when, when we fail, God forgives, forgets, and then moves on. How many times in your life have you failed or stumbled on something and every time you try to move on, the voice from the past keeps haunting you? Maybe you say, I want a new beginning. I'm going to live for Christ this year, but a sin that you constantly struggled with drags you down and you think God's just not letting you free, setting you free from that. Maybe it's a relationship and you, and you say, I, I know we struggled here, but let's move ahead. But the past and the struggles of the past keep dragging you down and it makes the new beginning difficult. The truth is here, and I really believe that Joshua 8 begins with God saying, Joshua, do not be dismayed. Do not be afraid. I'm with you. He repeats the exact same words he began with to say, Joshua, I haven't changed. You guys left. You failed. So what? I'm still God. Let's move on from here. Let's move on from this point forward. When we look at our lives and say, do we want new beginnings? And, and even if our new beginnings aren't coming out of something that was really bad, we say, let's just have a different year ahead. Is there something in your past that's holding you down? Are you having trouble accepting that God forgives, forgets, and moves on? He begins by reminding Joshua, I move on. See, we can't outdo God's mercies. We can't outdo his forgiveness. He pours them out on us every single day. Think of this. I was was thinking through in my life the things that I constantly know that I fail at. I don't do well. I know one of them is is I I do a pretty poor job of praying with my wife. You know, I'm a pastor. I know I said that out loud, right? Super spiritual people, right? Yeah. I just said something in our first year of marriage. We got up every morning before work and we prayed together. We, we had what we called a staff meeting every Sunday night and we kind of went over the week ahead and prayed together. I mean, we were pretty spiritual. That was awesome. But as time went on, kids came in, that habit kind of went away. And it's something that she reminds me of every once in a while. Like, hey, we don't pray together enough. Like, okay, let's start doing it. And so we'll start and then a couple weeks go by and then, oh yeah, I haven't done that for a while. 
I know I, I struggle with that all the time. Now, if I went to my wife and I said, you know what? Let's start praying together again. Let's, at least once a week, let's pray together. What if she said, I've heard that from you before. Forget it. Don't even bother. Well, that would be other issues probably, but how often do we think that God responds to us that way? How often do we think, God, I know I sinned, I failed, let me, I, I want to give my heart to you, but in our head we think God's saying like, I've heard this from you before. Forget it. But he doesn't say that. He says, okay, let's go. Let's start again. See, God didn't look at Joshua and the people of Israel and say, you guys, seriously, you screwed up? Forget it. Forget it. Let me change. I might not be with you anymore. He says, no, Joshua, I'm with you. You want to go forward? Great, I'm with you. My promise doesn't change. I am faithful. Look at Lamentations chapter 3. I know a lot of you probably began your day reading the book of Lamentations. And so... In Lamentations, Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 through 23, the prophet Jeremiah is writing this. And he's talking about how discouraged he is. And he said, until I remembered this truth. And here's a verse for you in, in chapter, or verse 22 of chapter 3. He says this, When I remembered the Lord's loving kindness never ceases. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God. Maybe you're familiar with the song, right? See, God's faithfulness never fails. His mercies are new every morning. Do you want a new beginning, but your past is haunting you? Guess what? God's saying, forget it. You want that to be left behind? Let's leave it behind. My mercies are new every morning. If you're looking ahead at the year 2014 and you think, I don't know how I can change. I I have the same struggles time and again. Maybe you say this year, I want to commit to reading scripture more or something like that. And you say, but every year I say that and I fail. But God says, okay, it's all right. Let's try it again. I'll meet you there. Don't let your past hold you back. Let's go back to the Joshua chapter 8. Verse 1, he said, do not fear, be dismayed. Then he says, take all the people of war with you and arise. Go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. Okay, let's stop right there. I know, one verse in. I, seriously, we're going to make up the time pretty soon. We will make up the time. The next thing we see in this story is God reminds Josh, first reminds him of his promises. I'm there. I'm with you. I haven't leaved, left you. Do not be dismayed. I'm still here. And then he said, I want you to take all the people and go right back up to the city that just defeated you. I'm going to give you this city just like my original commands and promises. I told you in chapter 1, Joshua, that I will lead you into the land and establish you in this place. My plans have not changed. I think the second principle we can find here for new beginnings is when we take detours, God does not change His plans. See, the people of Israel took a little detour here. They, if you read back in chapter 7, you'll find that they said, hey, we, we can just send a few people up there to fight this battle. Don't worry about it. But they went outside of what God commanded them to do. They said, we can do this on our own. We are strong enough. And they went up there and they were defeated. They decided to take the matters into their own hands. They took a detour, but God said, 
when you're ready to get back on track, my plan has not changed, Joshua. See, if I were God, I'd probably say, okay, these people don't get it. Let me find some other people who get it. I'm just going to find someone else. I'll just change my plans up. But God says, no, I do not change my plans. I still want to establish your people here in the land. So our detours that we take don't change God's plans for our lives. Some of you might be here this morning because you made a New Year's resolution to get back to church. Maybe you've been attending and you've been involved in, a, in church for many, many years, but you know inside that you've been wandering, you've been drifting. Maybe you're here just as a favor to someone else and you inside think, uh, maybe once you believed, but you haven't been thinking about Christ for years. And when you think about taking a step back, you think, I, I don't know, why would God, I, I, I've, I've been off the track for so long. I don't even know where to begin. I love, there's a promise that Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. He says, He who began a good work in you will be faithful to carry it out to completion until the day of Lord Jesus. In other words, once Jesus Christ begins a work in your life, He will complete His plan for your life. He will complete the work that He began in you. You may take a detour and go off the road, but when you're ready to get back on, His plan did not change. You might get back on the road and have a flat tire, some scrapes, some bumps, some bruises. I mean, we bring stuff upon ourselves all the time. But the promise that God gives to us is if you want a new beginning, guess what? My plan didn't change. I still am going to complete my work in you. This morning, some of you, the only thing that's preventing you from saying, God, I want to move ahead in my relationship with you. I want to have grow closer to you this year than last year. And the only thing that's preventing you from that is you think you veered too far away from God. When the truth is, all along, He's been waiting at the end of the driveway for you just to turn around and say, I'm coming home. And He says, great, let's go. His plans do not change based on our detours. When the nation of Israel took a detour from His plans, He didn't set, change it. He said, okay, when you're ready to get back on track, this is my plan. Okay, back to Joshua chapter 8. And now I'm actually going to move pretty quickly. I am going to summarize the next 27 verses. So we're making up some time. So what happens here now is God instructs them. He says, I want you to go up to the city of Ai. I know it's a nice pronunciation. It's a Hebrew word. It means a heap of ruins, Based, by the way. Verse 2, he says, You shall do to the city and its king just as you did to Jericho and its king. You shall take only its spoil and its cattle as plunder for yourselves. Set an ambush for the city behind it. And then God does something very different than in the city of Jericho. He gives them instructions of how they are to fight this battle. Essentially says, I want you to take up your entire army and I want you to set several of the companies of men in ambush behind the city. Go there at night where you cannot be seen. And then when the day comes, I want you to take the rest of the army and approach the gates of the city. And when they begin to fight against you, retreat from them so that the men of the city will leave the city and chase you off into the wilderness. So they follow that command exactly as God instructed. As the people and the warriors of the city of Ai chased the Israelites out into the wilderness, those who were hiding in ambush came from behind. They went into the city. The gates were open. They plundered the city, set it on fire. 
and then came out. And when the warriors of Ai turned around and saw their city on fire, they realized they'd been tricked. And now they were surrounded by the entire army of Israel. So the army of Israel went and attacked them from all sides and defeated them. Them, and also it says the city of Bethel, also those warriors joined in this battle. And Israel had a mighty victory against these armies. Now, if you're familiar with the story of the battle of Jericho, you'll notice that there's some very significant differences here. And I've been kind of wrestling through why so different. See, the battle of Jericho, God told the people, march around the city one time, and do that six days in a row. And on the seventh day, march around it seven times and the walls will fall down. If you were to write a military strategy book, you would never write that in it. Because that's not a very good strategy. But the point at the Battle of Jericho was God said, I am going to show you from the very beginning, the first fruits of this conquest, it's about me. I am going to lead you into the land. I'm going to show you that I'm with you. And the walls are going to fall down miraculously. And the command to not take any plunder from the city of Jericho was because in the ancient Near Eastern world, when you take plunder, when you attack a city, every soldier who took that, it was their way of saying, I am part of the victory. I am the reason we won. So you got to take plunder for yourself. God said, don't touch anything in the battle of Jericho. He actually permitted them to take plunder from the battle of Ai. It's very different. It's interesting that this one actually makes a heck of a lot more sense than the battle of Jericho. If I were one of the soldiers and God said, take your pick, which battle do you want? You want me to knock the, you want to march around seven times or do you want to do an ambush strategy? I'd be like, I'm going to AE. Because <laughs> God, this other one, I don't know. It's radically different. And as I pondered that, I thought, why is this so different? What is the point? They just failed because they didn't do it God's way. And now he's saying, okay, here's a great strategy from a human military perspective. And I really believe that one of the principles we find here, and you find it throughout Scripture, is that God meets us and restores us, gives us new beginnings in a way that makes sense, and in a way that we need at the time. Now, none of you are watching the Chargers game, but I'm going to give you a football illustration anyway. Okay. Wow, it is really quiet in here. Maybe you are all watching the game. <laughs> Everyone look up at me. All right. <laughs> so in football, if you have a quarterback that you is proven, and you know that they that they're a great quarterback and they go out there and they throw an interception, maybe a couple interceptions. They make a mistake, make some mistakes. As a coach, you're not going to say, that's it. You made a couple mistakes. We're going to bench you. Usually you're going to put them back in the game and say, we believe in you. We, we know you have the skills. You made some mistakes. Let's begin again. Here's a fresh beginning for you. If you have an unproven quarterback that you're not sure if they're ready yet and they go out there and make some mistakes, they throw a couple interceptions. You probably are going to say, okay, hold on. We're going to put you on the bench for a little while. And we're going to work on developing some more skills because we don't want to destroy your confidence. See, as a coach, you respond to each player in a way that they need to grow and to develop. 
I believe God does the exact same thing for us. I believe that the reason why this battle is so different here than the first one is God said, Joshua, you need to get back in this battle right away. And even more so, the people of Israel need to see you as their leader. They need to know that they can follow you. So I'm going to give you a strategy. I'm going to let them take some plunder. I even wonder if God says there's no way they're going to make it through another battle and not take plunder for themselves. I even wonder if God said, I got to let them have some because they need this. I don't know. That's just me. That's not scripture. But I do believe what we find here is the principle that God responds to us in our, individu- in our individuality. We hear from God in different ways. Some of you, when you're discouraged or you're looking for new beginnings, you need to get away. You need to listen for that quiet voice of God who says, I love you. I care about you. You're okay. Let's keep going. Some of you need to feel God's foot on the back of your body, (laughs) kicking you and waking you up. Some of you, like me, our heads are just a little thicker than everyone else. Sometimes we need to, wow, I, I just, I'm not going to point them out, but I just saw a wife kiss her husband when I said some of you have thick heads. Okay, um, <laughs> that was awesome. All right, so I can see everything up here. <laughs> yes, yeah, some of us need to hit bottom before we get it. Some of us need God to shake us and wake us up, where some of you, God's whispering to you. I believe here God's looking at Joshua and saying, what you need, I want you to get back in the game. You're discouraged. But I haven't left you, Joshua. So let's go right back into battle. Let's go right back at it. We find this happen in Scripture and other places. In the book of John, the disciple Peter has this thing that happens to him when the night that Jesus is denied and handed over. Peter's hanging out with Jesus And Jesus says to his disciples, tonight all of you will betray me. And Peter says, Jesus, I will never betray you. I will die before I betray you. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Before the rooster even crows tonight, you will betray me three times. And Peter said, yeah, right. And then in John chapter 18, Jesus is handed over. He's arrested and betrayed. And three times... People come to Peter and say, aren't you one of his disciples? He says, no, I'm not. Second time, are you one of his disciples? No, 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 that's not me. The third time, Scripture tells us he actually curses and says, I swear I don't even know the man. And the rooster crows at that moment. Now in Scripture, when you repeat something three times, there's never a need to go four times because three is as much as it can possibly be. That's why we say holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Three means there's nothing more holy than that. I deny you, I deny you, I deny you means you cannot deny Christ any more than three times. And the rooster crows. Now, if I'm Jesus, I would have something like, I told you so. (laughs) I'm sure Peter inside when that rooster crowed, crumbled. And realize what he had done. But now I want to show you in John chapter 21. After Jesus raises from the dead. And he shows himself to the disciples. He's having breakfast with Peter here in verse 15. He says this. I have it on the screen for you. 
When they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said, tend my lambs. Then he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, shepherd my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, tend my sheep. Maybe it's a familiar story to many of you, but something really profound happens here. You see, Peter denied Christ three times. And it says, then Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? And there's some things happening in the Greek there. But the main point of this is that Jesus wanted to restore him. Peter was grieved when God, Jesus asked him a third time. I don't think he was actually grieved because he had to say it again. Because from a Hebrew perspective, remember three times mean, yes, I really, really, really love you. I can't say it again. I believe at this point he was reminded that he denied him three times. He failed. But Jesus gave him a chance to be fully restored in the way that Peter needed that. In your life groups this week, if you go through the sermon guides, you'll find that there's actually, uh, one of your discussion questions is looking at people like Thomas. We're not going to talk about it now. But when Pete, Thomas denied Christ and he said, I'm not going to believe until I can touch the holes in his hands. And Jesus shows up and says, fine, touch the holes in my hand. He was okay with his doubt. See, God responds to us in our individuality. He knows what you need. It's okay if you come to him and say, I, I, I don't know. You don't have to respond to God the way I do. We all connect in different ways. And God, if you take the time to listen, to stop, to reach out, I believe he wants to speak to you. Okay, back to Joshua chapter 8. And by the way, I know you're used to me giving you all the archaeology and all the nuts and bolts of this, this scripture, but today I just wanted to kind of look at what lessons we learned from this. So, you know, you get a break from the history. Verse 30, we're going to go all the way down to Joshua 8.30. And it says this, the battle, they had this battle against the king, uh, against the city of Ai. They defeated him. They hung the king. They put stones over him as a monument. They destroyed the city. And now in verse 30, Joshua builds an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel in Mount Ebal. Just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded the sons of Israel, they made the altar out of uncut stones. Let's go all the way down to verse 35. Joshua gathered all the people of Israel. He makes this altar and then they recite the commands of the Lord to all the people. Verse 35 says, There's not a word of all that Moses had commanded which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel with the women and the little ones and the strangers who were living among them. It's an interesting thing that happens here that they just had this battle. They defeated them exactly doing it the way God asked them to do it. And their next response was to build an altar to the Lord. They didn't do that after Jericho. But they did that here. And they read the words and the commands of God before all the people and they recommitted their hearts. They took time to say, God, okay, we recommit to your ways. We're entering the land and we want to do it the way you've asked us to do this. I believe there's a principle in there that is, our God never grows tired of new beginnings. 
See, our God always is open to us saying, I want to begin again. See, because God's not human. Some of us get tired of new beginnings, right? We get tired of the people saying like, no, I promise I won't do this again. But our God never grows tired of new beginnings. In fact, Scripture after Scripture shows that He will begin a new thing. He's preparing a place for us. He's creating a new heavens, a new earth. He loves new beginnings. He loves that the people said, fine, we won this battle, now we recommit our ways to you. So this morning as we end, I want to end asking you a question. Because New Year is often about new beginnings. Looking to the year ahead and hoping that it can be better than the one that we're leaving, even if the one you're leaving has been fantastic. If you've been a spiritual superstar in 2013, great. How can you connect more with God this year ahead? And as we look ahead, I want to ask just a few questions. And I would say that, what are our spiritual new beginnings for this year? And a few questions. How will you grow in your relationship with God this year ahead? And remember, that's going to look very different for you and for me. For some of you, it might just be that you open your Bible once a week. That might be incredibly different for you. You start to orient yourself with the God of Scripture. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe this year that can be you. Maybe for some of you, it's beginning a a, a lifestyle where you start to pray and communicate with God. Whatever it is. Maybe it's you will set aside some time every day or at least every week where you can be quiet. Maybe out in nature and just reflect on God's wonderful creation. What will that look like for you? How will you grow in your relationship with God? Next question is, how will you grow in your connection with other Christians? See, one of the big things around here, we talk about life groups a lot. The reason we talk about life groups is because we don't believe that you can fully grow spiritually just coming to this room once a week. We believe it's important. We believe the act of worship is useful. And hearing instruction and the fantastic teaching is great. And um, thank you. Thank you for the three of you. Yeah. No, we, we believe that's useful, but we believe that real life change happens when you're in relationship with other people. When you're around people who can say, hey, why are you being such a jerk? Other People other than your wife. Okay, I know that they'll ask you that. But other people who can point out things in your life. Or maybe we believe that when you're hanging out with other people that you can grow just by watching how they live. You say, oh, I want to be like that. Oh, that's how you love your kids. That's how you process your relationship with God. That's how you interact at work as a follower of Christ. So how are you going to grow in your connection with other Christians this year? And then the last one is, how will you grow as you interact with others around you? With our community that maybe does not yet believe. Are you going to be more forgiving, more gracious, more patient, more understanding? Maybe even, I don't know, knock on the door of your neighbors and find out their name? I don't know, something. But how will you grow in your interaction with the world around you this year? How will we grow as a community as we seek to represent Christ? I don't know if you know this, but Encinitas, uh, I don't think it's officially labeled a Christian city. Um, And so, (laughs) thank you. So how can we, as Christians, let this city know that our God loves them and wants to be in relationship with them? How will we grow like in that way this year? Instead of letting them know we don't want to be around them, 
We want them to know that God wants to embrace them and welcome them into a life that is so much better than anything else. How will we grow in those ways this year? How will you in your own relationships? So I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up, and as they come up, I want to reflect on these three questions. And we don't want to give you a whole bunch of lists of more things you need to do, but since only five of you did New Year's resolutions, a lot of you have room to add something. (laughs) But we don't want this year to only be about eating better, saving more money. We want this year to be about how do we love Jesus more? How do we help our community know Jesus this year? Those are the real resolutions we want. So as we end, just take some time to reflect and maybe ask God what he'll have for you. Maybe some of you this morning, the new beginning is to say, God, I want to move from doubt to believing you're there. Maybe I need to move from having a hard heart to saying, God, soften me. Let me start again today. Let's pray. God, we thank you again for this time. I thank you that you speak to us in so many ways. And I pray that um, this morning, Lord, you teach us to love you more. And for those of us who need a new beginning and and a fresh start, God, I pray that you would um, give us the courage to take that step. Lord, that you'd remind us that you forgive us in all of our failures. And Lord, help us this year to live for you in a way that represents you better than we did even last year. We thank you and give you our hearts now. Amen.